So Wales are up and running. Pass. It's been taken by George North, and North is away. It wasn't the best of starts. Here's Maxime Medard, the space here for Pickamole. Pickamole a metre out. But it's 10 wins from 10. Can they make it 11 now in Rome this week? All to be discussed on the Oval Ball. Hello, we're back in the Oval Ball office. Sounds grander than it is, believe me. I'm Nick Hartley. Joining me today, Wales and Lions wing, David James. Hello. And uh, the man who can count quite literally a Welsh flag-wearing dog on a skateboard among his recent interviewees, it's ITV Wales correspondent, Dean Thomas Welch. Howdy. Good afternoon, uh, both of you. Um, France, uh, what did Warren Gatland say at half-time? It was quite a turnaround, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite a turnaround. It'd be interesting to see what the, the French coach said at half-time, really, because it was a totally different team that came back out of the, out of the shed, wasn't it? And We've done enough, lads. <laughs> yeah, I think they switched off. It was a little bit of, uh, let's have a bit of Von Rouge, I think, at half-time. But uh, yeah, look, uh, the first half performance by France, I thought, was sublime. I thought they were exceptional, the speed, the tempo, the way they kept hold of the ball. And Wales looked a little bit shell-shocked, but... Uh, you know, true to Welsh form, they they stuck to their guns, Warren Gatlin amalgamated them uh, come half-time and uh, they come out a different team in the second half. But you'd have to question, once again, the temperament of the French. Do you know you were out there? Yes, yeah. Were they stopped you... playing in the second half. I was so surprised. I said to you at half-time, 60-0, I feared it could potentially be a 30-pointer. But France just stopped playing. Wales started to go through the phases and we scored that early try and it was just one-way traffic from there. Were you surprised at sort of the extent to which that game turned round? Because it did seem so polarised at half-time. As much as Wales were not the side that we've come so used to seeing, it seemed like a, just such a long way back from where they were. Yeah, it was. But, you know, you look at the opportunities that Wales had with the Liam Williams uh, fumble just over the line. He probably should have passed the ball. He's, you know, he, he seen the white line and he was going for it. And then you've seen George North uncharacteristically stepping in, which is schoolboy really should have utilised the, the touchline. But that's the difference, you know, one moment where he's not, he's not quite concentrating and then he comes away with a brace in the second half, doesn't he? So, look, that's where fine margins are. But he'd have to say France were... were better uh, by a long shot in the first half. I thought Wales were quite poor uh, first half performance, but then we are synonymously uh, slow out of the blocks come uh, come the Six Nations campaign. And once again, we come away with a win and we'll take that. It was that ugly win, wasn't it? And you, you kind of, oh, it was proper, you kind of need that sometimes, don't you? To, and uh, Warren Gatlin kind of touched on it afterwards. You kind of sometimes just need to have that that, that win against the odds in order to be able to carry you through a, a tournament and this time around a year as well. Wales could easily have said, look, it's not our night tonight. Obviously, Liam Williams shelled that try opportunity. And Wales could just turn around and say, look, it's just not going to happen for us. And on the point that Liam Williams tried, we were saying that he must have known that he dropped the ball going over the line. What happens if he just got up and drop kicked it straight away? Because you can't go back and review on the TMO after that, can you? He must know that, ooh, this is going to yeah, be dodgy. I, I dropped I, it. I, I think... Yeah, the heat of the moment, you could tell by the, the way that he was, you know, he didn't really, uh, there wasn't that sort of euphoria once you go over the whitewash and, uh, you know, you, you're obviously dis disappointed and he probably didn't even think of that. I wouldn't have even thought of that, really. You'd just be the, the disappointment and really ruin what could have been a great opportunity to uh, put a seven-pointer on the board, really. So, uh, yeah, disappointing, but look, 
true to Welsh form, once again, they come back, they bounce back. And that's the tenacity and drive within this Welsh squad. And, uh, you know, they've certainly got that. Wasn't a clinical performance by a long stretch. And, uh, you know, anybody who's under that false illusion that Wales were exceptional second half, you know, you'd have to question, you know, the French, really, because I thought they they imploded, didn't they, really? There's yeah, a fumble yeah. pass, there's a fly-act through, the fullback goes back fumbles the ball and George North pops up lovely into his arms great chasing back by George North and pressurising him however you go 40 yards up the field and, the, and there was a forced pass which they didn't need to do wet conditions you just tie it up you're in the driving seat you don't need to do that and then then once again then the second row throwing a, a wild pass in the middle of the field and George North read it his eyes but, lit up didn't they yeah exactly and uh, no one was going to catch him uh, there with 50 yard dashing or whatever it was Really, so you'd have to say the French should be looking at that performance and thinking we threw it away rather than Wales won it. Talking of uh, wingers, obviously you, you being a winger as well, and George North, overall he probably didn't have his best game last Friday night, but he scored two tries. And as a winger, it's like a centre forward in football. You're yeah. there to put the ball over the try line. That's your number one aim. And he came out with two tries. Yeah, well, you know, you, he'd take that when he uh, another two to his tally, which is uh, certainly racking up, isn't it, really? And uh, yeah, but by his own uh, high standards and performance, he probably didn't think he played that well. But, you know, who could say you played bad when you got come away with two tries? And, uh, you know, you got to pat him on the back. He took his tries exceptionally well. And, uh, and away to go, I think, you know, he's... You know, that little uh, indecision, shall we say, in the first half where the, the French scored where he came in. He didn't need to come in. It was a split-second decision. Split-second, well, yeah. And that's what fine margins, that's professional sport. That is top level. You make a little error, and it was a little error, really, and they capitalised on it. Bang, try try time. And uh, he'd be disappointed with that. I certainly felt in the fallout from this week, I mean, the Welsh pack didn't quite, haven't quite had the... The, the sort of support and congratulations that, that they may have done. They, they were up against a hell of a setup there in front. They were massive and, and you, you couldn't tell. I mean, the te- technique of the Welsh front row clearly matched. The front row were outstanding. It, they, yeah. were, they were fantastic, weren't they? And yeah. it, that, that really does lay down a marker for, for the rest of the year, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to get the old cliche, it does start up front. And if you can get that parity up front, you know, and that stability, then, you know, it, it bodes well, really. And uh, you're always going to be possibly on the on the front foot if you can, you can break down the first line defence. So I think, uh, yeah, they were sublime. I thought Josh Navidi was exceptional as well. He got around the field and, and his, you know, his, his drive and his, his aggression around that breakdown area was certainly uh, very pivotal. So look, thoughts now turning to week two and Italy and Warren Gatland has changed things up, rejigged his side, 10 changes in total. And he says that despite all that, uh, it does mean that there is a real chance for those coming in that they've got uh, an opportunity now to impress. Yeah, we've made a, a number of changes and uh, you know, very much a part of these, these first two weeks was trying to replicate uh, what's going to happen in Japan later in the year. And it's, uh, it's been tough, but it's put us into a good uh, situation to go through some of those experiences about dealing with a squad of 31 and and how you how you deal with injuries and stuff. So yes, we've made a number of changes. Um, but looking back on the week, it's been really good for us. Uh, Justin Tibrick picked up a, a back sort of spasm injury, so he he wasn't considered for this weekend. We had Corey Hill with his um, gash on his knee last weekend. Yes, he could have been available for selection, but we've decided to to rest him. So we've gone through those sort of scenarios about. Uh, squad selection and what would happen in Japan. It's been it's been great for us to be able to do that.
to have that opportunity to replicate you know, what's going to happen uh, later in the year. But we've made a number of changes. Yes, there's some experience, there's some opportunities for some players to, to put their hand up and, and we know how important it is to, to go down to Rome and, and to play Italy at home. Um, you know, they are very, very tough, they're a, a different proposition than when they play away from home and they'll be smarting from last weekend so it's going to be a tough game for us. Well Dad, obviously Italy on the weekend, what are your memories of playing Italy because they came in pretty early as you were coming towards the end of your Wales career? Yeah, well, like I had one of my first caps against uh, Italy, I do believe, my first ever cap, and that was in the, the Olympica Stadium, actually. And it, back in the day, there was only 10,000 people that turned up there. Now you're looking at 40,000, 50,000 people. So, you know, they certainly embraced from a, a, a public uh, that the Italians have. However, have they developed? That's the big question mark. I feel that they, they, they're still not pushing forward on the professional stakes really and putting their hand up which, which is bitterly disappointing really I think when Parise finally hangs his boots up he's probably held together by tape let's be fair um, it's good tape mind isn't it oh, it's really I good adhesive <laughs> I know I was thinking I'm held together but as well but you know he is their talisman and uh, I think it doesn't appear that they've got anybody else coming through and unfortunately for them they just really haven't push themselves forward and then you you would have to say there is an argument whether Georgia should be pushing up instead of Italy however whether it's a, a relegation thing and uh, up and down that's yet to be decided with all that in mind is changing Wales to the extent that Warren Gatland has done a risk or is this is this squad so developed now that it it kind of doesn't matter uh, I think I mean, I they'll think expect it, to win, won't they? That's the point. Well, I, I think they got that. Uh, that's a sort of professional attitude that they got. But, uh, you know, I don't want them to get into that complacency. A, a 10 changes gone. Uh, but, you know, they brought in the likes of Dan Bigger because, you know, Anscombe didn't have one of his better games last week. And, uh, you know, you've got the Thomas Young who's going to be chomping at the bit. But the problem I see when you make 10 changes within the side is you haven't got that cohesion. You can't build on your momentum from the week before. And what happens is there's a little bit of uncertainty. And I, I do believe that's why they've gone to Nice. They've tried out different combinations while they're in this training camp to familiarise the guys who, essentially, these guys are going to be going to the World Cup, that squad of players. So he's trying to get them into that mindset where you're going to be away from home. You know, you're not going to have the luxuries of going back to your house. Let's get away from the, the media frenzy, which, which go, takes place when you're at home, and let's build that sort of environment. And, yeah, I'm just hopeful that they, they, they can build phases. But, you know, when you make wholesale changes, it's going to be a little bit messy. But there's going to be a point in the World Cup where Gatlin is going to have to do that. He's going to have to make wholesale changes. So maybe this is just a case of him replicating that, going away to Nice, making these changes. He's just replicating that World Cup environment. Absolutely, you know, hopefully we don't have 10 injuries on the bounce and, uh, you know, he's got to make that many changes, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, uh, no, you're quite right. And he's looking at different combinations, isn't he, really? And, you know, Joan Holmes coming in with a, for his second cap and you've got Dan Bigger who's coming back and he's been chomping at the bit because, obviously, Anscombe seems to have been getting the, the number 10 nod at the moment. So he's going to want to prove a point. But, you know, it all starts up, at the, up front, really. If you can get the, the parity up front, the Italians are going to be seething. They're going to take a little bit of pride, with, you know, in the in the way that they finished the game against Scotland. But let's let's not go into any false pretenses. I think Scotland took their foot off the pedal, and the scoreline was flattered towards the end, really, for for Italy. So, 
I think Wales shouldn't really have too many issues going over there, dare I say it. But Wales are very much in the driving seat. It's their game to lose. I think the professional attitude and the squad that they've got there should be far too strong for Italy. I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't given Anscombe another go because, of course, it wasn't his finest hour in a Wales shirt. I'm sure he'll be the first person to admit that to himself and his teammates this week. But given the bigger project and the, clearly the trust and the, and, the, and the the potential that the Welsh coaches see in, in what Anscombe can bring to that mix, surprising perhaps that he hasn't just had a chance to kind of wipe that one off the board and, and, and kind of you know get a few more miles under his belt against Italy? Yeah, and, and you would say that this would be the ideal opportunity for him to have another go. But I think, you know, once again, we, he's trying different combinations. Personally, I don't like, you know, the when a coach just makes that sort of change straight away, it, it really can dent a player's confidence. Um, I think Anscombe is a bit of a confidence player and I thought he was hitting a little bit of form but you know this happens in in, uh, professional sport you can lose your way a little bit but it's how he bounces back his drive and what really makes him tick and and whether he's got that grip between his teeth and whether he can actually you know bounce back from you know getting dropped essentially uh, for Dan Bigger Do you think there's a fear that Gatland doesn't know his best 10? Yeah, I, I think Anscombe is probably going to be his best 10, if I'm if I'm truthful. I think that's the way it looks from the outside. Um, I think Dan Bigger is going to be trying to put his hand up, but I think what Anscombe brings to the table is a little bit more, dare I say, a little bit more uh, majestical sort of flow to the back line, whereas you know exactly what you're going to get with Dan Bigger. He's a very defence-orientated player, very good tactician and he marshals them forwards immaculately and uh, his kicking ability so you know exactly what you're going to get with Dan Bigger a bit of an enigma is, is Anscombe because one minute you know you're thinking right he's going to kick the ball and then he's got that slight turn of pace and bang and he's a little bit quicker than what you get with Dan Bigger so there's two different types of players and I think he'll probably opt for Anscombe to be his number one we, we can't sort of approach anything with Italy without the, the sort of wider acknowledgement of 11 wins in a row would, would match Wales's longest ever winning run. I mean, it's a hell of an You were a part of that, Dad? Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll step in for you, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Look, Build I, me up there. Come on. <laughs> Just how, how difficult is it in the modern game to, to string a run like that together? Having done it yourself, Dav. Yeah, well, it, it's easy to lose uh, your track and uh, your focus. And I think once you start building up that sort of momentum, every team will have to lose at some stage. Uh, as we see with New Zealand, they'll fall off the wire. You know, very seldom do they uh, they fall. But it's like Ireland last week when we talk about the, the way England played. They decimated Ireland. I thought Ireland were foregone conclusion winners, really. But yeah. England took them apart. Can't see Ireland losing many more games after that, to be quite honest with you. But... It's all there for the players, and it's the, the top three inches. When you, the further and further you go down the line, of you begin to believe yourself, you're gonna, you're gonna win. You've only got to step on the field, and that's where you get the potential banana skins, i.e., your Fijis, possibly Italy's, or so on. And you can take your foot off the pedal and think it's a foregone conclusion, and you fall. And it's inevitable you will end up losing. I think that the. The squad that Warren Gatlin has got amongst him is certainly more than capable of winning. It's theirs to throw away, if, if you like. But I think they're too professional in an outlook to throw that away. What did it do for your, your group to be on that run? I mean, did, did it 
did it add another sort of dimension to your confidence and your th th those sort of decision making processes you were going through on the pitch? Did 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 you sort of walk onto the field feeling unbeatable? Yeah, I think you do. You fall, you you become uh, invincible to a certain degree, and um, you know we went away and at the time we played against England up in in Wembley against a, a very formidable England team and and snuck that win. Really, probably against the grain, England probably should have won that. But Scott Gibbs his try in the dying moments, and uh, you know uh, the the. the the skill set of uh, Neil Jenkins has slotted over. Then we went to Argentina, you know, and, uh, you know, test teams hadn't won in Argentina. So, you know, it built your confidence and, and it certainly allowed us to relax a little bit, if that's the correct mm. way, have just feel comfortable with each other. We built a little bit of momentum within the squad, um, you know, the cohesion between the group. And, uh, you know, we were on the crest of a wave. But like I alluded to, you can take your foot off the pedal. We certainly did against one of our banana skin teams, which was Samoa in the World Cup. And uh, unfortunately, we fell by it on the big stage in front of our own crowd. Was there a tidy win bonus involved that uh, helped motivate? Well, yeah, we try not to look at that, really. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it uh, paid for the car. And <laughs> no, yeah, you do. Look, these guys are professional players. And, uh, you know, it was building up. There was a different pay structure in the, in the day there. But... You know, I don't think it's in comparison to what you see now, but these guys are professional players and, uh, you know, they should get what they get and and all that. And it does help. It builds a little bit of momentum. You have a little bit of banter within the squad. It's not rubbing people's noses in it outside. And, you know, they're very professional in their outlook. And I think, you know, it's it's there for Wales to lose. And I, I firmly believe that Wales will win uh, on Saturday convincingly. And, of course, this all comes in the... Uh the context of a World Cup year, live on ITV, don't forget. Um, got to get that one in there. Um, it's uh, it, it, In terms of building a building a run, building confidence and building that, that kind of snowball effect in 2019, there aren't many chances to do it, to be frank, aren't they? Those warm-up games are going to be testing grounds and the chance to try a few things. So it's kind of now is the time you, you sort of lay that foundation, isn't it? Yeah, correct. And uh, I think, uh, you know, what better game to uh, try different combinations than against Italy? Because, you know, uh, once you get another two weeks, then you've got the old enemy, England. you got the old enemy, England. And then, uh, you know, what is it? Scotland and then uh, Ireland, the last game. They don't get any easier. No. So I think this is a great opportunity. And then come the summer, I, think, I do believe it's England and Ireland. So, look, this is probably your best bet team I, i'm not trying to be derogative or disparaging towards italy however they aren't the formidable sides that we will see coming up in the forthcoming weeks now as we sit here in a uh, a wet cold windy cardiff bay we're indoors though. we are indoors and that's a bonus. i'd rather be outdoors in shorts and t-shirts <laughs> I, I tell you it wouldn't mind being in nice as well where, where wales have been oh, this week nice, that training yeah. camp i mean it's, it's look absolutely beautiful out there in february balmy 15 18 degrees out there it's, they've gone there and it's all part of a bigger picture of you know as warren gatlin says it's, it's part of replicating that 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 pre-japan sort of cadence of a week isn't it of going from match to training camp to hotel you haven't been to back again into another game yeah. it, how much value is there as a as, as a group to to do that do you get a lot out of a training camp yeah you can a massive amount of the training camp look they, they they're probably still doing a little bit of conditioning sort of side but you know it tapers from a periodization standpoint you know this is probably the biggest game 
where they want to, uh, you know, put uh, as much uh, under their belt, so to speak, them as much mileage under their belt. Because, like I said, they've got a week off then, and then they're into England, and uh, and the games come thick and fast. So, you know, when you're going away to to a different environment, you've got a little bit of sun on your back. Did I say it in February? You know, they're swimming in the sea. It's a different place to go. And it takes the heat off you. And he's, he's probably got it right there where the guys are going to probably do bonding, where not th- that they're out drinking uh, or whatever, but they're probably going out for meals and doing different activities together. And it builds that squad ethos. But training camp's a little bit different when you went on them? Yeah, we wouldn't drink much at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't name it, in fairness. Water. We did, we did back in the day when we first started. It was uh, it was par for the course, really. And I think, uh, yeah, but it was It's it was team different. bonding, isn't it? You, you, you get it is team bonding. Yeah. And, and, and the Lions is synonymous for yeah. it, uh, you know, and the Barbarians. Like I remember, you know, my third test for, for the Lions, I, I was out on the laughing gas for four days and then I had a knock on the door on a Friday to say Austin Ely had gone. I was steaming, to be honest. <laughs> Steaming, I thought it was a joke, but uh, you know, and uh, and Robinson, the physio doctor, uh, come doctor, was uh, no, no, I'm dead. He's here. Austin's put his back out. You're playing tomorrow, and uh, you know, you've got to shake yourself. It was all right, <laughs> I'd probably be better. <laughs> no, but look, yeah, times have changed, and you know, I was. My tour was over at that stage. I wouldn't normally, obviously, do that. I don't, I don't drink much anyway, really, and because I'm too tight. But it's a matter of. <laughs> It does help bring players together, dare I say it. Uh, but I'm a big believer in it's a time and a place. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're in a big campaign like this, then, you know, obviously it's squeaky clean and, and you're down to the nitty gritty. And that was the same when we were in the World Cup build-ups and, and the World Cups I've been on. So, look, prior to that, yeah, you train exceptionally hard and you may have a blowout because it does. It, it builds uh, and people get to know each other and you have a laugh and you build team spirit. I suppose it's also important, isn't it, to just change up the... The environment and just what you see, because it, it it is as nice as the veil is. Yeah, it is routine, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you get yeah. in, you go, to, you do the same thing. Say, of course, you know they have world class facilities. Of course, they have everything that they, that they want there. But it, it can't do any harm, can it, to to sort of mix it up now and again and and just well, exactly. give a different perspective. Well, it's a different stimulus. It's uh, you know you're out of sort of the the goldfish bowl, dare I say it, and uh, you know you haven't got every every man, woman and child talking to you about rugby, you're away, you're in a different environment, a different part of the world, a beautiful part of the world, it has to be said. Mm. So, you, you know, in, in all honesty, it's probably a breath of fresh air. These guys have been training half of the last three weeks in particular, probably. And, you know, some of the guys who haven't made this squad are probably training exceptionally hard in in order to taper off next week, which will be a down week and then fly back up, uh, on a, you know, from a sports science sort of context into the England match. I suppose for the fans this weekend, they'll be hoping for better conditions in Italy than what we got in Paris because it was wet, cold. Oh, it was cold, it was wasn't it? It was miserable. It was miserable. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be hoping for a bit of sunshine down in down in Italy, help the beers go down there a little bit easier. Yeah, well, it's a wonderful part of the world to go to as well, isn't it? Rome and, uh, you know, the Stadio Olimpica is, is a great place to go. It's a big stadium, a big area around it and uh you know welsh tend to travel exceptionally well we've got one of the best following support in teams in the world haven't we our support base is phenomenal and uh they will travel anywhere and what better place to go than to go to rome and uh let's be honest it should be a lot milder than what it is up here and hopefully it will be a, a little bit drier too so warren gatton has already called it as well he said if winning france he reckons that's that's the, the championship for wales 
So, I mean, that doesn't give much much wiggle room from now on, does it? No. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> a bit, I was, a bit, it was bold, that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, very bold. I was thing, surprised very to hear bold, that. Yeah. He, he, went, he, he went big early on there. Well, he's throwing the challenge down, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's playing the game a bit there, yeah. isn't he? But, uh, you know, I think Ireland are going to have something to say about that. But, you know, Wales in, in Fortress Cardiff and playing against England once again in Cardiff it's always going to be a big game that is going to be a hell of a game actually uh, in two weeks time but honestly after Ireland got decimated by England last week Ireland will not lose another game or I'd be very close with Wales Ireland the last game I can't see Ireland slipping you touched on it Dad, but what, what do we make of Ireland England I mean it was it was a, it was bizarre I mean, it was one of the best I, games I've seen in a long time. It was a fantastic yeah. game, wasn't it, really? And England just—I mean, that's the performance they were—they've been sort of waiting for. It was a for complete a couple of eighty minutes. Years, wasn't yeah. it? It was, a, it was a, one, a fantastic as a neutral because clearly we're all uh, on you on this panel. We're neutrals watching that game, and it was like, wow, you know, it was a great game. It was a great spectacle there. Ireland were well. The possession—if you look at the statistics—Ireland had the majority of the the the, the ball. England defended a lot of the time, very similar to what Wales have done in the past. And then uh, Henry Slade then coming away with a brace, you know, through pressurised rugby. And and it just shell-shocked the Irish, didn't it? Yeah, it was. You mentioned Eddie, you know, it was kind of the complete performance, front and back. They just, everything clicked for them, didn't it? If England replicate that for every game, they're going to go on and win the Grand Slam. But it's can they put an 80 minutes in like that every game. It's very difficult, isn't it? They may have had their best performance of the Six Nations already by beating Ireland out in Dublin. And are we surprised by, by Ireland? Um, you know, coming into this, people, many people wouldn't really have looked much further past them. But do we, I mean, I heard, I heard one uh, commentator this week describing it as that given the run Ireland have been on, you know, are people starting to work them out? Do you think? Do we think teams? Are it could be the complacency that you were talking about. Well, earlier, uh, well. that's what I was going to allude to there. Really, uh, I mentioned, I alluded to it earlier. When you you're on the crest of a wave, you th- feel you're invincible. They thought it was a foregone conclusion. England had second thoughts, really, and said, "No, we're, we're not having that." And and you know, any team that can beat New Zealand, every other team's going to want to beat you. And when you're in this yeah. tournament, the Six Nations, and it's arguably the best tournament in the world. They were the Let's team to beat. Let's say it is the beat. best tournament, shall we? Let's, Let's say, say it is. Let's say no, arguably, for the purposes of this, we're here. It is the best tournament in the well, world. There we are. Yeah, I put my neck out there. It is the best <laughs> tournament in the world. But no, it's you true. <laughs> it's, it's true. And um, you, you know, Ireland have beaten New Zealand. They've beaten yeah. New Zealand, so they were carrying that on there. They they sat back. They thought, yeah, we're going to demolish England, the old enemy once again. And England just come out of them. And Eddie Jones must have been going, wow exactly what I've been, uh, you know, on the drawing board pointing out to the guys. And they were meticulous. And it was a great game to watch. He's, he's tinkered, hasn't he, over the, over time? He's, he's not been shy of a change. He's kind of, in many ways, the sort of opposite side of, of the kind of Warren Gatland approach in Wales. Of course, player numbers may well have had something to do with that. But it's he, he's never he, he's never been shy to change things at Petty Jones. And you could... They, they just haven't ever quite found that sort of run of consistency... In the last sort well, of, he's been under a lot of pressure, months, an awful really? amount of pressure. So this must have been a, a real weight off his shoulders. Oh, a huge amount of pressure, isn't it? Really, because he started off with a bang, didn't he? When he when he came, amazing in. start. And, yeah. and and in fairness to him, I spoke with Phil Davis in the week, uh, a, a friend of Eddie Jones's, and he said this guy is meticulous in his approach, and he will throw caution to wind, and he he'll try out different combinations, and you know he's 
a stereotypical Australian, shall we say, that he's very, very uh, vocal in his opinion, shall we say. Uh, gobby, some people would say. Yeah. But, um, you know, but he, he's put his money where his mouth is last weekend, didn't he? And he went there, he gave him the riot act, and he said, bang. But I think the likes of, you know, you've got Farrell at uh, 10 there, really. Henry Stadu, who is a very, very good player. And you, you've always going to have, with an England front five, you're always going to have size. You're mm. always going to have size and bulk, and it's whether or not they can perform. And once again, like we said earlier on in the show, that it's about getting that parity up front, the, fa- the front five. And if you've got decision makers and they've got a 10 and a 12 now, which can pinpoint either left, right, they, they actually marshal and control the game. And that's what they did. And they, and they, they pressurised Ireland. Ireland are exceptional when they got John, uh, Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton is him and Conor Murray has certainly two players they need to wrap up in Cockmore yeah. if they want to compete in yeah. the World Cup. But England showed, didn't they? Shut them down and Ireland are a totally different side. And they did shut them down. They didn't give them the space. They didn't give them the room to play. And all of a sudden, they, they seemed sort of choked Ireland. Yeah, well, you know, and that's what happens, really. I think uh, they, they, they took it for granted. They, they sat back on the laurels and, and thought, hang on, uh, we, we're going to walk this one. It's our, our Triple Crown Grand Slam. We're going to walk it. Well, uh, England, England were over in the corner after two minutes. Yeah. So it, start, it started to go wrong from, uh, from, 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 from the first few seconds. And, and, and that comes down to professional attitude. And it's the top three inches. I don't believe that it's anything to do with skill set or something. It's, it's about your mental focus. Are you in the game? For a team to score at that level in the first three, four minutes, it says, hang on, are we still in the dressing room? Yeah. Are we thinking, yeah, we've won this game? There's a lot of mental and a lot of sports psychology that's gone on there, really, where they've, they've been a little bit complacent. And I'll stand by this. I think Ireland will bounce back from that. It sets up a massive, massive day at the Principality Stadium in a couple Huge. of weeks. Absolutely enormous. Biggest since, since, the, uh, since 2013? Well, I, I, I believe so because, you know, it's bragging rights once again. And, and we've seemed to have gone in Wales, one of our, the teams that we really want to beat most of the time, well, all of the time now is Ireland. But it's we've more than to. bragging rights this time around. I think it's more than that because you, you, you're talking about beating an England side who've just put in that, that performance, performance against yeah. Ireland. It's, sure. You're talking about setting a new record of yeah. run. From there on in, you'd, you'd have to back Wales to, 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 to win the, the championship. I mean, Ireland yeah. aside, they're going to be absolutely in the box seat at that point. And, and, and in the context of everything else that's sort of going on over the next few months, you'd, you'd, I mean, that, that, is, that is massive for Wales if they can come through that game. Oh, huge. Huge, really, for the World Cup. And, uh, you know, if they can put, put England away first and then uh, go up to Scotland and then... Um, Ireland is going to be the big finale. What a game that's going to be, isn't it, really? And uh, it could be, you know, the, the, the decider. Look, it's a huge uh, few weeks ahead, uh, as always. Um, it's starting with Wales v Italy on Saturday before we then work through all the other permutations and everything else that could come. Chaps, look, it's been great to chat to you. Thanks for your time. Just before we go, uh, we brought something back for Dav from Paris, didn't we? That, oh, we that did. French sausage. But I think... Saucy, so we got you a saucy saucy You're very. But thanks you've for eaten it, though. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure thanks you, for reminding me. Have, have you eaten it? I... Yes. Can't, no comment. <laughs> Absolutely no comment. I'm blooming and starving. We, <laughs> did buy, we did bring it back saucy to you, though. Saucy song. You asked for something, yeah. we bought you a saucy song. A French and sausage. Yeah, but you've eaten it. But it's been in Nick's kitchen for a week, so... Yeah. And it's not well, here it's now. it's got moldy. So. <laughs> it's dead true. We brought it back. I didn't have anywhere to keep it in our hotel room, so I put it in my wash bag. 
Imagine opening oh, so a wash bag with a saucy saw in it after yeah. after three days. Now you can keep your saucies on. <laughs> <laughs> on the, well, we'll leave it on that note. That's all we've got time for this week on the Oval Ball. We'll be back next week picking over uh, a hopeful Wales win in Rome and then looking forward to the big one against England as well. Also look out over the next few days um, for a uh, an insightful chat with former Osprey Ben John as he tells Alexandra Hartley about the uh, trials and tribulations of his life post-rugby after he was forced to retire with uh, concussion. It's uh, something not to be missed. Um, remember, you can uh, subscribe, review, rate uh, the Overball podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud as well. You can follow us all on social media. I'm Nick underscore Hartley2. Every time. At, not at again. ITV Dean. And Dav, this is the big point. Can you remember it? Last week was not your finest hour. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Okay, and, and again? David James 13. There we are. David James 13. Fantastic. Yeah, you have it. Look, guys, great to speak to you. We will be back soon. That is the overball for now. Bye bye.